Welcome to the VO School podcast, dedicated to the art, craft, and business of voiceover. Each week builds upon the last to give you a comprehensive understanding of a career in VO. My name's Jamie Moffat. I'm a full-time voice talent and audio engineer, and I'll be joined by some of the industry's top professionals on both sides of the microphone to drill down and dig up the truth. Hello, hello. Welcome to the VO School podcast. And today we are doing one of our in-depth genre analysis episodes, and it's to do with commercials and the world of commercial voiceover. And joining us are two extremely successful commercial voice actors, Alison Freed and Roger Leopardi. They bring between them many, many years of experience in commercial voiceover, and they're both absolutely killing it, quite frankly. So there really is no one better to talk to about this. So uh, look forward to that. Now, before we begin, I want to say thank you to Dolly Lewis. She is sacrificing her sanity by listening to every single episode of the podcast from start to finish again, and writing up notes from each show. So if you've been driving or you're somewhere where you can't write something down, if you want to remember a link or a product or something, you can actually go to our Facebook group, which is VO School Podcast, and search with the search box on the left, episode, and then your episode number, and then links. So for example, episode six links. And then that post will come up with all of the links from that episode. Now, she's working through them. I think she's up to six or seven right now. So uh, give her time to get through to everyone because we're up into the mid-20s. But that's an incredibly useful resource to people that was requested uh, on the, in the Facebook group. And Dolly very generously offered to do that for everyone. So thank you to her. And speaking of Facebook, you should connect with us on all of our social medias. We're pretty consistent now across all the different platforms. We are VO School Podcast. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that's it. So (laughs) please connect with us that way. And without further ado, a couple of quick ads, and then we'll get into our interview with Alison and Roger. Connect your studio to the world with IPDTL. IPDTL is a cost-effective alternative to ISDN without the need for hardware or line rental. Connect, mix, and record up to four locations at the same time, including phone patch, right from your computer. You don't need additional software as IPDTL runs in your browser, and you can even get your own ISDN number. Try a day pass for just $15, or subscribe monthly or yearly. So, for directed sessions, interviews, and of course, podcasts, choose IPDTL. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Okay, so today I am joined by Alison Freed and Roger Leopardi, and we are talking about commercial voiceover. So welcome to you both. Thank Thank you. you. Yay, happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you, and you both come highly recommended, so... uh, Pretty big honor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was very excited just to see that thread and to, you know, my name be mentioned by other people was pretty cool. Yeah, Nancy Wolfson in particular. And uh, yeah, so thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Nancy. Um, So first off, I want to know a little about your background. So, um, Alison, why don't you tell us about how you got into voiceover in general? Okay, sure. Um, So I actually moved to Los Angeles uh, to be a rock star. I had a band. Oh, cool. And yeah, and I was uh, working like four or five jobs and just burning out really hard. Um, And my sister-in-law directs voiceover talent in Toronto, Canada. And uh, they came to visit one Christmas and she said, you know, have you ever thought about doing voiceover? You already know how to use your voice as an instrument. And I think you have a, a nice sound and um, I had done some acting in high school and she thought it could be a really good fit. So she kind of showed me voicebank.net at the time, um, showed me people's demos and asked me if I was interested, if that sounded like it was a cool thing that I could do. And I was like, absolutely. You mean people are getting paid to do this? I didn't (laughs) even know that was a thing. Um, and you know, mind you, of course it was way harder than I ever thought it would be like everybody Mm. getting into voiceover. They think it's going to be easy and it's not. (laughs) Um, but so I started training. She, she actually started me up. She recommended me uh, to a bunch of different people, Nancy Wolfson being one of them. And I took a bunch of different workshops and trained with a bunch of different people. Uh, and I finished Nancy's program, started auditioning and, uh, kind of just once I was in, I just knew that it was the right fit, that I loved it. I knew I could be good. Um, and I just kind of buckled down for six months of training and just worked towards it. Every paycheck was kind of going towards my training and, uh, the rest is history, I guess. Oh, that's great. So when, when was this that you started out in that case? How many years ago? It's about five, five years now. Okay, cool. What about you, Roger? How did you get into this? Um, how I got into voiceover specifically was, um, I was a producer, uh, at a small advertising agency and, hmm. um, you know, did that for a while. And I was working with talent on a, on a regular basis and a few guys in particular who were, you know, old school guys, the guys that you, you kind of grew up hearing. Yeah. Um, and you know, one day, one of them, you know, I, we were recording via source connect or ISDN or something. And just out of the blue, he's like, man, if you could ever learn how to use that voice right there, the <laughs> one that you're talking to me in right now, he goes, that's a million dollars right there. Right. And, uh, and it just never, you know, I mean, I'd done little, little things for friends, but never really thought about doing it. And he, he said it at just the right time. And I, uh, after I finished that session, I think I went into the vocal booth and started messing around and, and, you know, took about a year for me to really be able to hone in um, not sounding like an announcer. Right. Um, Just being comfortable with reading, especially when I didn't like to read. Yeah. Um, uh, And that was it. And, and really, you know, the rest really was history. I mean, as, as Mm. quickly as, as I found my sound um, uh, within a year of, of that time, it just took off. And, you know, that was at this point, I think, 15 or 16 years ago. Right. And that's interesting because both of you came into this industry from a different industry that has sort of, you know, they they sort of cross over. There's some skills that you can transfer from one to the other. So, um, Roger, speaking about that, you said you were in, uh, you were doing, you were a producer, is that right? 
What were you yeah, producing? Yeah, well, I was actually, I, I didn't want to go, you said specifically VO. I was a recording artist in the 90s. My brother right. and I were, were record, were, um, so I was always in the studio. And um, mm. so, yes. And then later in life, I became a producer at um, an, an agency. So do you think there, what skills particularly helped you in voiceover from those previous careers, do you think? Uh, man, I will tell you that uh, every skill uh, right. from from timing to tempo to rhythm to I'm, everything. I mean, stuff that you that you don't really think about, mm-hmm. you know, and Allison, I'm sure it's the same thing. You know, you don't have to think about it because you naturally have this this thing for music and you have this understanding that you don't even know how you have the understanding you just have it it was built into you yeah yeah so those things kind of um they certainly make doing voiceover much easier than for i would imagine for somebody who doesn't have any of that stuff built into them already like tempo and timing and rhythm and yeah absolutely yeah and allison specifically you're being a singer you know, there's obviously those transferable skills there. So like what Roger was saying, timing and tempo and all that kind of stuff, you, you feel the same way? Absolutely. And and notes, just n- noticing patterns or things that sound pleasant. Um, and I've had sessions, the most complicated sessions I've had, where uh, the director wanted different notes within words. So to be able to hear exactly what they want and to understand that and to be able to hit those notes the way the director wants um i can imagine that would be incredibly challenging for someone that didn't have you know any kind of a music background yeah like the ear the you know the trained ear to to hear those notes and also i think um i'm interjecting my opinion here because i came into this industry from the music industry as well (laughs) so all three of us the same way (laughs) not Um, not shocking yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) and uh there's also an element of telling a story, I think, and interpreting words in in a sort of emotive way that that yeah. you know can transfer across too. Um, so let's talk about commercials particularly, because both of you really excel in the commercial side. So was it initially that that um, urge to go into the commercial side, or did you sort of fall into it after trying different areas of the industry? For me, that was the the first place that I landed um, mm. because I was really trying to make a living and be able to be a creative and do music and whatnot. And um, from the get go, people said, well, listen, commercials where the money is. Mm-hmm. Um, so do that. And then, you know, once you train, you can try to get into animation. Um, but commercial is going to be the, the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and animation is going to be the fun and the games are going to be the fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I kind of started commercials from the get go. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it for me. It was never like, oh, this is, you know, this is annoying. I, I always, I, I always kind of chose commercials also. I mean, obviously you do the auditions are given, but, um, mm. I, I most there, honestly, there are sometimes where I wouldn't do them if I didn't like the commercial or if I didn't vibe with it, I, I, I turn down stuff all the time i want to connect with something um and i want to do you know bring it to life and make it my own and and bring some personality um and connection to it yeah that's cool what about you roger did you go straight into commercials or did you go circuitously via something else i did go straight into commercials um i could do animation i could do the other stuff but to tell you the truth it there are so many really good people out there doing that stuff and, and they love it. And, and to tell you the truth, I didn't love it. 
So mm-hmm. I wasn't just going to do it and be a jack of all trades. I, uh, I commercial made sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I went, I went into it and, you know, and figured once I, I don't take this the wrong way, but you know, once I owned that category and yeah. you know, I, it was uh, then, then if I wanted to, once I was making a living and I could afford to mess around, then if there was something else I was interested in, or, you know, if I was getting bored, I would, uh, yeah. I would take on something that wasn't so comfortable. Right. You've got the freedom at that point. Yeah. It, yeah. So what, what, uh, I mean, putting aside the money, <laughs> what do you think is the, the most rewarding part of commercials in, in particular, Alison? Oh man. I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind is I was at Marguerite, Margarita Mix, uh, yesterday in Hollywood. I love being in studios. I mm. mean, coming from being a vocalist and recording music, just being in these beautiful studios. I am so happy. I love what I do. Yeah. And you know, it, there's something just magical about being there. So that's one of my favorite parts for sure. Um, and then bringing commercials to life, making, making something that I'm actually proud of, like, I have, you know, Disney commercials and a bunch of stuff that's airing that I'm I'm just really stoked to be a part of. I yeah. love the energy and the vibe and um and I'm so proud to see it on TV or on hear it on the radio and you know, my friends or my family, um, even from across the US, but also in Canada, they're like, I get so excited. I hear you. It's like the craziest thing in the world. So <laughs> Um, you know, there's, there's so much that I really, really love about it. Also the fact that I'm going on vacation and they're booking me out at studios wherever I go. If I'm in Toronto, I'm in Hawaii, I can work. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah, that is great. <laughs> what about you, Roger? Um, you know, for me, uh, it, it was, it started off kind of the sport of it, you know, yeah. doing an audition and, and, you know, putting yourself into it and, and then booking it. And at first that was, that was rewarding. And, and I'm not saying it's not rewarding. Mm. Um, then it got to, to be where it was like, okay, you know, that is a job and yes, I love what I do, but, Mm. um, but you got to make a living and you've got to make a living all the time. And which means you got to book all the time. Yeah. Um, so there reached a point for me where, um, it had a different satisfaction. Um, and Mm. it's interesting. It's interesting. I, it, you know, it's probably just me because I'm funny that way. Um, uh, I set goals and then when I achieve that goal or I reach that goal, it's like, okay, now what? Yeah. And it's so exciting getting there but when you get there then it then you you hit that place and it's like okay now what and mm. that's kind of where i've been for for a while so i know that's kind of deviating from the question but in, no, no, in my case in my case all the, you know everything allison said for sure i mean yeah you get to go on vacations and and you still get booked when you're away and you know you get to meet people and go to cool studios and stuff like that but you know after you take all that away um, you still have to sustain for years and years and years. And, and, you know, like in my case, I have a family, mm-hmm. so I, and a lifestyle to keep up. So that's a lot of, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of stress. Uh, yeah. so that's, you know, it's not all fun and games and you have to worry when you book the one and you do the job and you move on and, and it's like, okay, next. Yeah. Now what, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, 
So that didn't really answer the question, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I really have a good answer for you. Well, it's sort of going on to something else I want to talk about, and it's to do with the fact that the commercial industry is always changing. And um, you might happen to be lucky, you might hit the industry at a certain time, and your voice is in vogue and it's popular at the time, but trends in advertising and things come and go. So how do you, do you consciously um, adapt yourself to the industry or do you, uh, you know, is it just sort of luck of the draw in terms of what, if you're right for the, for that period of time, how conscious are you of that? Um, I always try to pay attention to what's going on. You know, Mm. I'm one of those firm believers and I've said it from the very first time I was interviewed, you know, that the, the best coaching that you can get out there is, is right on your television set, you know, or your radio and, and, you know, everything that's booking you're, you're looking at, you know, at least the stuff that, you know, that I, you know, that you mostly want to be doing. Of Mm. course, we're doing all this other work that nobody ever hears. And and that's great too. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you want to do, you want, you want a ton of that. Yeah. Um, But the stuff that everybody stereotypically is looking at who they want to be, what what they want to sound like, you know, is what's on television and what's on the radio. Yeah. So that being said, um, you always, you always have to be paying attention to what's going on. And um, I would never change what I do because, you know, from the very beginning for me, it was always about me being myself, um, just a few different versions of myself. Mm. So it's, it's adjusting and, you know, you may not book as much at certain times, but everything swings around. So, you know, you just got to keep doing what you do. Um, and in my particular case, you know, I became a, uh, uh, and I didn't even mean to, I was just kind of, it's what my agents, I guess, believed that I was going to be doing. And that was to become a network promo announcer. So, Mm. you know, once you crack that world, you know, you're, you're working very differently than you did when you were doing commercial. Yeah. So I, you know, thank God for that because that will sustain me. Um, if commercial tends to drop Mm. at all. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later, actually, because there are some changes in the industry that are, you know, undergoing. It's undergoing a lot of change right now. Um, so, Alison, what about what about you? You know, when I first started, I definitely um, listened all the time to commercials and and paid attention to TV commercials, and I even was researching on YouTube, you know, pulling up different companies and pulling up their VO. Um, but as I've kind of gotten going. Um, I just kind of feel like it's always going to be changing. And what I want to do is kind of be the one that's changing it and Mm. be part of that change. Um, So, I mean, for sure, I I go to workshops. I, I, you know, I've gone to so many of them and I love going to that and and fine tuning different skills and working with different people. Um, But I also am just trying to kind of push myself when I'm getting scripts I want to do something different. So, you know, if I do two or three takes um, to do something that's out of the box, that's something that's going to sound completely different than anybody else is doing. Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, you know, also doing my own, the couple different versions of like me that, you know, obviously right now everyone wants it to be more of like a conversational read and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what I've been comfortable with doing from the get go anyway. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. Like, it's actually funny because I feel like definitely when I started, I think that's such a crucial part of understanding the world of VO and and what's going on now and in training and stuff. But then once you're booking all the time to kind of play with that and go, cool, now where can I go with it? Now, 
you know, what's what's going to be next um, and trying to kind of be part of that that change. But you have to have that like baseline knowledge of what there is that you can yes. then go from there and do something that a little bit different. That's really interesting because how how much do you I mean, you talked about it a little bit there, but how much are you playing with your auditions? How much are you consciously going, well, everyone's just going to churn out, you know, these are the specs and that's they're going to have these references and everyone's going to try and do impressions of that. How much are you going, right, well, I've seen that, but I want to do something kind of quite drastically different. Is that is that in your brain? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it definitely depends on how much time I have right. <laughs> because we all, we get a lot of auditions and then if you're booked a lot. But I, my ideal situation is I have uh, a really awesome audition that I'm I'm vibing with. I really like it. And it'll be due the next day. So I'll get cracking on it just mm. from the get-go. I'll, I'll do just the first thing that comes to me. And then I'll kind of leave it alone, go do some other stuff. Um, I'll come back to it that night, early the next morning, try it again fresh, listen to it or do do different takes and then kind of uh, by at the end of it go, okay, so I'll, I'll already have two or three like different, entirely different takes. And then at the end, I'll listen to everything and go, cool. Now, where can I push it? You know, and what, what else can I do with it? Kind of a thing. But yeah. this is incredibly time consuming. We're talking about, you know, hours of work and yeah. you can't do that on every single audition for sure. No, I was but if say. you're getting... Yeah, for sure not. You know, sometimes I literally just do one take. I'm rushing. That's all I can get out. But if I have like a really big audition or something that I'm really, I, I want to get that one, I definitely put in the time and the effort. Mm. Um, and those are often the ones that, you know, the ones that I end up getting are the ones I put in more time and effort and thought. Um, and yeah, definitely go outside the box with it and and have at least one take that I know they're they're not going to hear from anybody else. Is part of the research going online and checking out their current campaign and other ads that they've done? Is that part of Def it? Yes, absolutely. Definitely. You want to know the brand and, and what they've done and where they're at. Absolutely. Because you can do great auditions, but if it's not at all in the realm of their, you know, their target audience and, mm. and who they're, you know, that then then you're there's no way you're going to book it, you know? Right. What about you, Roger? Are you just churning them out or are you going into that level of detail with your preparation for your auditions? You know, I always... Uh, found that my initial instinct um, was right mm. uh, or right for me, right for me and my interpretation of, of the copy and the delivery. Mm. So I am, I'm real bit, I don't like to look at copy beforehand specs. I glance at them because most of the time um, I've found that these specs are so all over the place. And yeah. so they, every, every line, next yeah. line contradicts the line before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I do is I just kind of take a look at it and say, okay, you know, this is, you know, whatever the product is. And, and just, you know, if I already know what they sound like or, or whatever, I just, you know, I do whatever I feel in that moment. And I don't really give it, much more than that because if i have to try too hard then the copy wasn't right for the way i speak mm. um so that's kind of always been my approach um because some of these writers you know the way they write is the way they speak wherever they're from and right and you know and and it it just no matter how hard i try Allison's going to deliver it much more naturally than me because maybe it makes more sense to her, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe Jamie's going to deliver it in a, in a way for me, it's trying. And if I'm having to try, 
then then it's not something's not right about it for me. Yeah, and that's the way I look at it. And some may look at that as you know uh, as bad, and some may look about at that as uh, you know he knows he knows what he does. Yeah. I think you do have a very distinctive style and a different sort of a, a vibe about you, a distinctive vibe about you, um, in a way that maybe other voice actors are sort of jack of all trades. I would put myself into that category. I don't have something that's super distinctive other than the fact that I'm a Brit. <laughs> um, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, so, uh, you know, I don't tend to specialize in any one thing. Um, but if you've got that really strong essence about you, um, it makes sense to to do it that way. Um Alison, do you find that you've ever become typecast in certain characters in certain styles? Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm typecast. I definitely, I mean, every conversational thing, they're like, Alison, <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a lot. That's kind of like the trend that's going on right now. So mm. um, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm put in a box or anything. Like if they need something else, I can do it. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I'm being typecast now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about kind of, it's sort of an awkward subject, I think, but um, where the commercial world is going in the sort of broad sense, because the advertising industry is shifting all over the place right now with the internet, with pre-roll advertising and all this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of work is going from union to non where do you see yourselves and yourselves in the industry maybe in sort of five years time? What are you predicting for the future of the commercial world? Well, here's my response to that. The industry um, it changes all the time. And obviously we've seen that just, you know, in the five or six years, Allison's been doing it. She's seen a tremendous amount of change. Mm. You've seen a tremendous amount of change. I've seen a tremendous amount of change. And I think where we are right now it's going to change even faster than we've ever seen it change. Um, Now there's going to be um, pros and cons like there is with everything. So people tend to look at the cons. I I think that from a union standpoint, I think you're going to see a lot more opportunity as opposed to the, the, the other Um, meaning that I think as, as you see television changing and you got the Netflix of the world and the Hulus mm-hmm. and the Amazons and all that stuff. You know, everybody is always like, oh, well, commercials are going away. Commercials will never go away because that's mm-hmm. what pays for everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and what's going to happen is what always happens. These these services, you know, that say they're commercial free. Well, when everything is a subscription then your bills are going to be back to being high again because you're not going to be satisfied with just Netflix. You're going to have to have this. You're going to have to have that. You're going to mm. want your you're going to want your news. You're going to want and then commercials are going to be back there. So yeah. or they're going to be on online anyway. So for me, I don't worry too much about that. Um, I just find out you know new. I want to make sure I'm always growing. And um, like I started doing something I never thought I would do because I don't even like being on screen. But one of my, one of my good clients asked me, they want me to, wanted me to be their spokesperson because they liked what I was doing for their national stuff for radio and stuff like that, that they asked me if I would be their spokesperson on screen. (laughs) Wow. So, so awesome. Yeah. So I, I never even thought about that. And, but it was so, um, it was so seamless, like going from really, yeah, like mm-hmm. because we get we we get so good at what we do with 
just copy in front of us and and mm. what we have to do with that you know so subtly you know so that when you go on to the on-screen side of it like you don't even have to worry about like the words anymore like it's right. that that part just flows out of you with the teleprompter yeah. i mean it's just like you were in a, in a session now you just got to figure out what to do with the rest of your your, your face and your, <laughs> your so it's it's interesting but anyway so um am i answering the question by the way <laughs> yeah what's happening well we we sort of drifted a little but i think what you were saying regarding uh advertising and changing going online and the fact that there's always going to be advertising always going to be commercials i mean yeah i mean there's always a little bit of worry but because you mm. have to but yeah but at the same time you know it's you know it's like the media always pushing this stuff down your throat everybody's worrying about it but then two years from now nobody's talking about it anymore right and nothing <laughs> yeah. happened you know what i mean the lights didn't go out Mm. You know, when, when 2000 came around and they thought all the computers were going to crash and the whole world was going to, you know, come to a halt, you know, it, it just, so it's, yes, it's changing. Um, and that's good that it's changing. Um, and hopefully the changes are going to be for the better for everybody to work more and to get paid better. So are you thinking about putting a six second commercial demo together? As everyone seems to be doing right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because oh, okay. I, I just, when it comes to certain trends, I just don't, I don't, I don't buy into any of that stuff. It's just like right. the whole thing with, you know, I listened to something that you did the other day so I could become familiar with, you know, with you and, and, and your show. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Jim, you were talking to? Yeah. Jim Canelli. Yeah. Yeah. Nice guy. Um, but I was listening and it was, he said some things that I'm like, I've said this forever. And it's just like, I'm so happy to hear somebody else say it because nobody ever, <laughs> nobody ever has the, 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 you know, to say stuff. And yeah. I always did. It seemed like I was always like the, uh, the black sheep out there saying it and nobody would, <laughs> everybody was like, yeah, but they want me to say it. Nobody else wants to say it. What <laughs> specifically are you talking about that he, he was talking about? Well, in this particular case, he was talking about how, how the, you know, the web page you know, and the presence as far as that goes. And, you know, and that, the fact that it, it doesn't really, you know, if you can have it, it's great, but it's not what's getting your work. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not, you know, what's getting you work is uh, your opportunities with auditions. And if it's not the audition business that you're in, then it's the, the demo that you have put together of your work and you getting it to people and hearing, that's what's getting you work. And, mm. and even then, you know, it still has to be the right, the right thing for you at that moment that somebody has the need for you. Right. right. Exactly. Right. So, uh, Alison, what about you? Where do you see yourself in five years and how, how you fit into the industry at that time? Well, I sure hope I'm still kicking and, and in the industry and um, working in commercials and hopefully some animation would be amazing as well. Um, also music and on camera, a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Um, I definitely know what you mean in terms of the the change and union, non-union, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I'm an, an eternal optimist and I liked how Roger said there's going to be work for everyone. So um I definitely want to be working, obviously, and I am, uh, you know, SAG, and but I want to keep doing everything and uh, and hoping that there's just going to be more work for everyone, which I think that there will be. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, and you know, yeah, like I said, staying on on top of tr trends, and I think as long as as long as you know your craft and 
you're an actor and you're connecting and you're putting your heart and soul and your joy and fun into it, I, I feel like you're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's more the people that have that are stuck in their ways that have been taught one way of doing something and they're not open to kind of thinking outside the box and and learning different things and um, and being a real actor and connecting. You know, that's really the only thing that I would think is going to prevent someone from really working. There's enough for everybody. Um, and I think they're, you know, the people are going to be creating more and more content, whether that's, you know, web or everything. And, and there will always, there will always be commercials. Uh, I agree with Roger as well there. Um, mm. So, yeah, I hope, I mean, I just hope to keep growing and, and keep tackling new things and keep setting new goals and uh, to just be, become better and better at my craft really yeah that's great love it um i just want to pick up on one thing you said actually and it, it sort of made me think about something that you both talk about being yourself and this sort of conversational style that's very popular now but it seems to have been popular for quite a long time now we're getting into a good number of years where the conversational style um has been the thing so realistically do you think that's gonna change are we ever gonna go back to this sort of disconnected announcer voice do you think or are we there do you think that's ever going to go back i'm just interested to see hear your opinion on that well here's what i think what i think is that um it was always the announcer and i've been a firm believer um even when when the whole you know conversational thing started that there was still always going to be room for the announcer if you pay attention to what's going on, um, there's a lot of announcer right now. There's mm. um, heavy female, obviously, and the other the other is is announcer. So it's almost like so there's a a, a, a contrast, you know. Right. Yeah. And if you pay attention, you'll you'll see it. So I think what's going to happen is I don't think the conversational is ever going to go away because it just doesn't make any sense. Mm. Before there was an announcer, uh, people, the way they speak, I mean, you know, I mean, real conversational would be just straight up boring because people yeah. talk mo more monotone and conversational. So yeah. I always like to say, you know, when they're asking for conversational, it's just they're afraid to say the word announcer. But right. really what it is, a conversational read is a light announcer, basically. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. So so I think what's going to happen is that you're going to see this kind of even, uh, this even, uh, this level playing field. Mm. You're going to see, instead of it all being one thing like it tends to be, it's just going to be this mix. Going forward, it's probably going to be this, this mix. Mm. There's going to be those people that want to stand out differently, so they're going to have the hard announcer, you know. Mm. And there's going to be uh, where they're more of an ethnic read, and that can be anything, anything that's not just, you know, at least here in the U.S., anything yeah. that's just, you know, the, you know, American English yeah. kind of kind of sound. It's going to be, you know, they want that diversity, and, you know, it might be somebody who's Asian, or it might be somebody who's Jamaican, or it might be whatever it is. It's just not to sound just, you know, white, basically. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so you got that, and then you've got your male and female uh, regular reads, and mm. you've covered and you've covered the you know the whole gamut, and that's that's probably in my if if I were to guess, that's probably what we're going to see. We're seeing mm. it heavy in one in one direction right now, and it's going to 
just become, I think, just even. Instead of it just all male all the time like it like it always was. Yeah. It's just going to be mixed and ev- everybody's finding their way right now. And culturally, things are shifting so quickly that it makes sense that the commercial world would pick up on that and, you know, somewhat cynically take advantage of it. But it would represent cultural shifts that are happening in the real world, I think. So, so Alison, do you have what do you have to add? To yeah, that? yeah. Well, so I was going to add, um, I agree that there definitely are still there's still some announcer reads. If you're listening to TV promo, movie promo, it's definitely we still have announcers. But I will say that I think that the world of commercial has changed from uh, one version of an announcer, which I would say is someone talking at you mm-hmm. versus a commercial. If you're saying the, uh, the conversational read, it's more of a uh, of a conversation that you're you're actually like having an intimate conversation and connecting with the listener Mm. that's what i kind of see as the difference between um announcer and conversational read and i think that the conversational read is not going anywhere because people prefer being engaged versus being talk at talked at um so for sure, I, I agree with Roger that there will always be the announcer reads. And, and I think there's a, there's a place for the, for that. And it's great. But I also think we're going to continue to see a lot of uh, a conversational reads and maybe even some different kind of promos that are less announcery, less talking at someone and more kind of like an an intimate engagement with them, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, so, and I agree with you guys that times are changing. We want different voices. We want different races. We want more female voices. Um, and, you know, that we've definitely seen it in the world of commercial. And I think the world of promo is next, which I'm really excited about. Um, I think that there is the, there is the need now. We want to hear female voices um, and and the people that are actually kind of working to make that happen. Um you know, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I, I'm actually just su- super excited to be part of the world of voiceover today because I think uh, we're going to continue to experience huge change um, in the way that I think is pretty amazing and exciting. Yeah, totally. But really, the most important thing is what's the future of vocal fry? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Are you talking about the kind of vocal fry I have right now? Or? <laughs> it wasn't egregious. I didn't notice it too much. <laughs> Are you talking about like the Kardashians? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that level of vocal fry. You um, know, Allison, he's talking yeah. about this. You know what's so funny? And Nancy, if she when she hears this, she's going to laugh. She kicked me because she was like, you need to stop dropping out. Sorry, I just went too, too, too high on the microphone and it gave me some feedback in my ear. You need to stop come you know with the vocal fry and i'm like nancy i have texture to my voice it is not the same and we were laughing but you know there is a level there's a huge difference between like oh my god i don't care about anything and I'm blah, versus just having texture to your voice um i think it's gonna someone not caring and sounding like they really really don't care and i don't think that's necessarily gonna be like a hot thing forever and ever <laughs> yeah i don't think it but, really like bugs me too much but i can see how too much of it is becomes a bit of a yes. bit of an issue but absolutely i think it's also an attitude yeah. um so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's so it's so disconnected sounding like right it's, it's just like you could care less and it's like really i mean that's what you want representing your product right. or whatever <laughs> really yeah really? come on yeah it's not making it's not make it's not making you a cool company that's for sure right. 
Yeah, I think that shift has happened now that people realize that it doesn't equal cool immediately. Mm-hmm. The sort of disinterested yeah. look, sound. Yeah. Right. Um, I've got a couple of questions and then I want to get on to some questions from the audience. Um, you are both based in, I don't know if you're based there, Roger, but you definitely spend a lot of your time in California and you're there, Alison, in LA. Um, so do you have to be in one of these major markets, do you think, to work in commercials, uh, New York or LA or London? Uh, well, if you're asking me, I would say um, if you're doing commercial, I would mm. say, or promo, uh, for the most part, I would say no. Um, I had made it long before I ever moved to California. I moved to mm. California a uh, little over, f- well, now f- five years ago, but I um, lived there four years before coming back here f- most of the time. You know, Roger, how long time. have you been doing VO? Sorry to interrupt, but how long have you actually been doing VO? Um... I want to say like 15-ish years. Wow. Right. Okay, cool. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, at, at, at one point, um, then, yeah, you had to live in a major market because everything used to be these casting agencies and you'd have to go in and, mm. and you know, so you had to be in L.A. to go to Elaine Craig or, you know, or any, any of the ones out there because your agents in town there were sending you there. It wasn't like, wasn't <laughs> like it is. Yeah, it wasn't like it is now. So... Mm. Um, I would say no, if you want to be, if you want to be in animation, um, you can do stuff, but I mean, if you really want to be a rock star in animation, you really got to be in LA. I mean, um, and, and New York, I would say not, not so much New York, you know, Mm. LA is the place. I mean, if you want for the VO business, New, I mean, LA is the number one place probably. And then yeah. I would say Chicago would right. probably be, for me, next. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. What about you, Alison? But no, you don't You don't need to be there. Yeah. I would, yeah, I, I completely agree. No, you don't have to be in LA to do uh, commercial work. And uh, I have agents all over the US. And when I'm worked, I like I say, when I go anywhere, they can book me out of any studio. So mm. the same is true for anybody, wherever you live. And I actually know I have friends and people that I've met um, that are successful living in anywhere, mid middle America, um, small town, you know, as long as you have your ISDN or, you know, a studio close by, or you have your own, um, you can patch into anybody, which is such a cool thing. Right. How many uh, in-person castings do you guys go to these days? I still go to, I want to say probably like maybe one a week. Sometimes it's, you know, two or three, but it it's definitely, and some weeks I, it doesn't even happen. Mm. Uh, so not, not that often. And to be honest, I far prefer being at home and auditioning from home. I'm way better um, where I can really just play mm. uh for some reason when i go into casting directors and if there's a bunch of people waiting it's yeah. just i hate that it's like it's like the actor setup which i just think is, is so like anti conducive of of creation like when you're making people really like nervous and uncomfortable like how are they supposed to just like <laughs> per- give their best i don't know yeah. so i i do it but i don't i think i've been put um I've been it's as much as I book. Um, I've been put on a veil for some casting stuff, but I don't even know if I've ever even booked from those. I, but I book all the time from home. Right. Yeah. What about you, Roger? Mm, I'm. I'm. First of all, Allison, I'm so happy you said that. God. 
<laughs> I hate that whole actor thing. Jeez. I hate it. <laughs> and and not only that, but you know, again, hopefully nobody from the casting place is listening because now 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 <laughs> know, right? now a lot of Shit. a lot of people, a lot of agents, because of the whole uh, voice bank thing, are getting their stuff from the casting agencies. Mm. So, um, but they don't let you. They really don't let you do your thing. Yeah. Like they always, whoever the booth, the director is there is, is always steering you in some direction they want you mm-hmm. to sound. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, to me, that's like, nah, I do what I, I don't want to do what you're, what you're, you're going to have five, six, 10, 20 other people do the same exact thing. That's not what yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, in, in the four years that I was 100% of the time in LA, um, my agents sent me on maybe two uh, and then they didn't want to waste my time because they, really? I was, yeah, because, because, you know, you're in sessions most of the day yeah. and, and to go and drive, you know, if you're in studio city yeah. or, you know, or if you're in North Hollywood and you have to drive to right. Burbank and, you know, even though it's not far, it's like, you, you got to leave it this time to get there this time. You had to sit there, you got to do the, the, the audition, then you got to go back home. And it's like, that's a big waste of time. I could have yeah. been done with this in five minutes and sent it right yeah. over to you. And it would have been good. Not what I did when I was there. Right. Exactly. I feel the same way. Mm. But that said, I still go. <laughs> My agent still <laughs> send me and I go, oh, okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> I mean, again, I don't want to be too controversial, but I think there's a certain justification for casting agents existing to, you know, have a place that people have to come to and, and do that. It's much harder to justify that when you're uh, just receiving an email and passing it on. Um, yes, that's true. I, I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, great. Uh, let me see. Do we have any more questions before I go to the audience i think i think we're good i think we can go straight to audience questions now so we've got three here okay so tommy robert rickett asks what are the current trends for the world of commercial vo young conversational etc so we have we have talked about conversational but what other trends would you say are current right now i mean the one i would add is a female voice and i think that's uh it's going to be continuing um mm. i because it is it's like it it's it was it's a trend i guess we want to hear more women and yeah. i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> me and roger saying quiet <laughs> yeah well no i mean no particular reason just uh you'll always want to hear men as well it's not that we're just gonna only now have women it's just that we're gonna have more women yeah, yeah. more equality yeah and that's all good I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was trying to think of, of his question because mm. it's, ask the question again. He says, what are the current trends for the world of commercial VO, young, conversational, et cetera? Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I would say if you want to, if, if you want to use the word trend, the trend obviously is, is uh, female and ethnic. Mm. That's the trend, yeah. right? That's the trend right now. That's what's yeah. going on in the media. That's what's going on in society. So yeah. that tends to dictate, you know, what these big agencies, the Leo Burnett's of the world and play, places like that, mm. you know, that's what they'll they'll go with. And then what happens is, is all the, the smaller agencies um, follow suit. So uh, it's female and ethnic. Uh, young th- doesn't matter. Old doesn't matter. None of that matters. It's just there's there's always a, a you know a gamut as far as the age range goes. Because if you're doing a Metamucil commercial, you know they're probably not going to use a young <laughs> black male. Yeah. Are there any trends that you can work on? Any sort of styles that you can work on? Do you think? I think that's probably where Tommy's coming from. Um, 
where he could focus his attention in terms of, you know, a feel or a tone that he can work on, do you think? I will say personally that I've I've seen a lot of uh of people and a lot of specs and people wanting kind of like quirkier or funnier or improv or people that can kind of do like take the script and and do something more with it. Right. Um that's something that I've noticed as well. So taking improv class maybe um I don't know if you guys would agree, but I've definitely noticed that. Mm. I agree. Uh, you do see you do see that a lot. Um, I would say, um, you know, just uh, just what you can do is always just work on your read because at mm. some point, you know, again, unless you're one of those that kind of just tries to do everything. Yeah. So your 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 style is more of a copy style. Then, then just go listen to something and, you know, and, and put that in your back pocket and listen to this something else and put that in your back pocket. But Mm. if you're one of those that has a style, Mm. um, and, and, uh, the only thing you can do is just, you know, work on your, your acting or, or if you want to call it acting or just your ability to connect with copy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and go to workshops. You mentioned Elaine Craig. There are so many awesome casting agencies that have workshops uh, for working pros or for intermediate or whatever. And you'll learn cool stuff, um, mm. ways to connect, you know, tricks or ways to connect with copy, things to try. Um, those I've found really cool. And you, and you get to learn from other, uh, I mean, if you're in the cities that... Uh, that have those but um, you get to learn from other VO people too and listen to their reads and kind of learn from each other and um, I think those have been super helpful as well yeah cool okay Um, Timothy Johnson he has two questions in one here first question is who are their coaches so who do you have (laughs) that coaches you Roger do you still have coaching or do you go to coaches I've never had coaching wow I'm, I'm, I'm not for me. I know this is, this is going to be like sacrilege to Allison, but, <laughs> but, um, th- from the very beginning, that's one of the things I've, I've been real, you know, strong about. And that's that I just don't, I, I don't believe that you can be coached into, into being good. Mm. You kind of either have it or you don't. Those of you that have it and, and then you have somebody who can help fine tune it. Yeah, I agree then, with you. You know, that. and that may be like the case with Allison. You know, she mm. may have already been great and coaching only made her even more great. Mm. So, yeah. uh, but you can't, but I think just like anything, and I've used this silly analogy before, um, but it's like you can't teach somebody to be an athlete. No coach can, right. can, can teach somebody to be an athlete. Mm. You can you can take somebody who is already athletic and 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 develop that person's athletic skills Hmm. but you can't take somebody who's not an athlete and make them an athlete right but on the other on the other end of that i have met people that have these incredible voices and uh they want to do voiceover and they they absolutely stink and fall short and you know some of them um they're just they were like oh they're actors and and i was like your voice is incredible and they're like oh i want to get into vo i'm sure you guys have also gone on a million of those coffee dates people wanting to get into vo (laughs) but so they have this epic voice and they need the training to learn how to use it and Mm. i have absolutely seen people with incredible voices that 
sucked to be honest and then got training and are getting way better and are booking um so it's like no if someone doesn't have a great voice and they're not an actor and they're gonna try to do vo maybe no one can ever teach them but there are people if you have you know if you inherently have an an interesting voice and you want to do it um i feel like you can be taught by great Mm. teachers and um workshops and whatnot you could like i think it's all, no two people are going to be the same and i've definitely seen uh people that did not that did not have it inherently in them and that were able to learn how to do voiceover and m- myself included to a certain degree yes i had uh i'm an actor and i'm a singer but i remember going to some of these workshops whether it's like promo workshops and just feeling like i knew nothing like i did not know how, what i was doing and i didn't belong in there i wasn't good enough and i learned so much and now i hold my own you know i, I can do i can whatever do promo reads i can knock off three seconds and know exactly what that sounds like Mm. so i think for me personally the training has been huge maybe it's to give me confidence and the experience um so i I agree and i disagree Mm. and who are your coaches allison so I have a lot of them. I uh, Nancy Wolfson, I finished her entire program. Um, Jody Gottlieb, Jeff Howell. Um, I've done Elaine Craig, VO Pros, Dave Walsh. Um, man, I hope I don't forget anyone who's getting in trouble. <laughs> um, I have uh, up on my website, too, a list of just everybody that I've kind of trained with. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So uh, I love, I love, love, love uh, the training that I've had. And it's given me... Uh, the confidence and the experience um, to, to get, especially I want to say, you know, when I got into those, those, the VO pro uh, workshops, whether it was like Elaine Craig or some of the other ones, mm. you know, you, you're working with people that are so talented that have been doing it maybe for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And especially me, I was such a newbie, like, you know, first years first first and second year with these people like of course you learn from people that have been doing it 20 years yeah um so i'm i'm a definite advocate of training i think you if you have a great voice it's like having a great pen i can't remember who told me that but it doesn't Mm. mean you're a good writer right you know and that's true there are people with epic voices who suck at voiceover um and i think some of those people if they wanted to train with the right people um could actually be great at voiceover yeah, and it's a case of also knowing your weaknesses and then working on those because we all do have our weaknesses and areas which we can improve. So what what drew you to the coaches that you have? I um so my sister-in-law directed voiceover talent and she used to work at Disney. So she had all these connects uh and right. she had lived in LA for a period of time. So she reached out to her people and she basically got names like who are the best people that Allison should be training with. Mm. Um and I went to, like I said, a, a different workshops, worked with different people and whoever I vibed with, uh, I kind of kept going with it. But I also really like the diversification. Go to different casting studios. If they're doing the casting, they know what's the trend now. They know the reads that are booking. And then if they get to know you, they can bring you in personally because they'll remember you. Right. So VO is is such an awesome, small, tight-knit community. It's all about building relationships mm. and uh you know, nurturing those relationships and showing up, doing your best work um, and and just kind of so they you're always in their mind. Right. I love it. I love it. Okay, so final question, and it is from Ripley Johnson, and they ask, how do they handle requests to be the voice of competing products slash conflicts of interest without losing clients long term? So I think she's talking about conflicts there. How do you keep track of them? 
Yeah. So it's actually really interesting, the timing of this question, because I did not do an audition that would have been pretty good money, but it's it's a conflict. So when for me, when I'm taking a, a or I'm doing I'm doing auditions, I think mm. about this. Um even if the, the the audition I'm doing does not have a conflict, if I know it's going to be huge and it's going to be national, it's going to be whatever, I have to go, am I comfortable just taking this company and therefore not getting another company that's in that, in the, that's good, that would be a competitor. Mm. So I personally absolutely think about these things. Yeah. Um, and I talk with my agent too, if, if I'm confused or if, if I'm wondering, you know, what does this mean for this? Um, yeah, so you, you do have to think about those things. But if you're lucky enough to be getting big things, you know, you got to figure out if it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. And and usually your agent will stay on the, the script or in, in the email or whatever if it if it conflicts with certain other things. And then you just have to remember, oh, yeah, okay, I did this project for so-and-so. That's how it generally works, yeah. Yeah, and there's a time, you know, there, if, if, okay, so if I did uh, something for a, a certain company, if it's done, if it's not airing anymore, it's no longer unless they specified in the contract, but mm. you're, you're fine. You can do a different thing. Yeah. Um, it's just that they can't be airing at the same time. Um, again, unless it's been included in the contract that you can never, but I would be careful about ever signing some, some contract. That's like, you can never be a, a voice for, you know, I think nothing should be in perp. <laughs> so right. just as a general rule of thumb. Yeah. Roger, do you have a spreadsheet of products you can, can and can't conflict um, with? I, I, I keep pretty good, pretty good track of, what I have out there. Um, mm. most of the time my agents, um, will not send me something, uh, because they're aware of, of me still having a conflict in the category, mm. but sometimes some stuff sneaks through and mm -hmm. I'll look at it and I'll be like, Hmm, am I still, uh, you know, am I still doing Marriott? And right. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, I'll call them up and I'll be like, Hey, you sent me, uh, this Hilton. Mm. Uh, did you mean to send that? And, and, you know, it'd be like, Oh shoot. Uh, let me check. Yeah. <laughs> now we still have, we still have holding yeah. fees on, on Marriott. So you can't right. do it, you know, exactly. but, but, but sometimes you have to look at stuff too. Um, having nothing to do with whether you currently have a conflict, you have to look at some, mm. some auditions that you get, you know, if, if, if you play within a certain, um, I don't know the expression, so I'm not going to use it. But so so but well, let's just say you you are competitive. You know, Allison's yeah. a, a fairly regular booker, so she has an opportunity for something that she saw come through to audition for. But, you know, she also sees auditions from this other company, which would be a conflict if she booked this one and she could make way more money on mm -hmm. the other one if, if right. she booked it. So do you take the chance on the one yeah, and then you may book it and then you're locked out of the category and then the other one shows itself, you know, presents itself and now you can't even do that one. Yeah. For, for years, I, I, you know, have, you know, played that where you, you have to turn something down in hopes that right. this other thing resurfaces yeah. and that yeah. slim chance that you may book it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, if I could tell you how many times that's paid off. And the dollars are very different. You're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars on something that you may have made 20 on, you know, or you may have made, not that that's not a lot of money, yeah. but it's not a lot of money compared to what you, what you made waiting. Yeah. 
And a lot of that comes down to experience, I assume, of, of interpreting Absolutely. what's going to make you the mo- more money over a longer period of time versus maybe something that looks like it's got a flashy number up front. You know? Absolutely. Right. You certainly have to understand the, the game, and yeah. especially in the union world. You know, you think as soon as you do a union, you know, national commercial that, you know, you made it. And it's like, you know, you make 1875 bucks or whatever for a national cable buy mm. um, <laughs> that they have for 13 weeks. And then there's, you know, $500 or less holding fee after that 13 weeks that they hold you in that category. And, and most of the time your contract says, you know, it usually has a year or two as far as an expiration goes, as long as yeah. they keep paying the holding fees. Well, that holding fee they may pay for the next 13 weeks where you only make, you know, under $500, let's say. Mm. And an audition comes through for something that was a, was a conflict. But if you booked that, you could, you may make a lot more money. And then what happens is, is at the end of that holding fee, they don't tell you when they're releasing you. Yeah. Yeah. So they could hold you for that ne- that next 13 weeks and then that's it. And then yeah. you find out that you've been released. Yeah. It's a very, tr- very tricky game and you have to understand how to play it. You know, if you make a li- if you're making a living doing it, you got to understand. Yeah. yeah. And I, to add to that, if you're starting out, I think the importance of, of trusting your agents and having open dialogue and yeah. feeling comfortable asking them. Um, I know I'm with an agent that I absolutely love. And, you know, for him, he, he doesn't send me certain things. He's like, no, 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 this is this is going to take her out of the game for these big other things. There's no way I'm going to send it to her. Mm. And he's told me, he's like, I'm, you know, I don't want you doing this. And he sat down with me and said, listen, we've gotten to the point where you need to be careful about this, this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, feel free to like, ask your, your agents or your team members. You, you got to believe in them. They got to believe in you. Yeah. And if they don't find somebody else, um, find someone that you can talk to and go, Hey, is this audition, you know, would this put me in a bind if I, if something bigger came along, like, you know, I think you really have to be comfortable to be able to ask your team those kinds of questions and be working towards the common goal and lay those out. What are your goals? Where do you want to go? Talk to your agents about that. I love it. Absolutely. You're, you're a, a good agent. A good agent is your your cheerleader, your, you know, your confidant, your that person is is as if you had um, a manager. You know, mm-hmm. which you don't, which you don't want to be paying extra to, because that's really not necessary. Right. But a good agent is really like a manager. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts? Maybe uh, a little bit of advice for people starting out. I know a lot of the listeners from for this podcast are at the early stages of their career. So, Roger, do you have any final thoughts on those starting out in this industry today? I would say, do yourself a favor and you know, figure out what your strengths are. Um, don't jump in, you know, say, I want to do, you know, and, and I want to do animation or I want to do movie trailers. I want to do promo, you know, I want to do video games. Like you have to know your situation. You know, if you're in, you know, if you're not in California, uh, you may want to rethink the, the, the animation thing. Um, or, you know, if you're really, really good at it, then follow your dream, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really, you got to be honest with yourself, really honest with yourself about what your strengths are. Mm-hmm. That's for me. That's the number one thing. If you can't be honest with yourself, um, then it's going to be a really difficult road. Right. And Allison. I would say when you're starting out network, talk to people that are doing it, mm-hmm. um, build, build your crew. Oh, sorry. Just dropped something. <laughs> um, yeah, because, uh, what I've found is 
I love the voiceover community and uh, I always say yes to go get coffee and, and, and you know, meet people and talk to people. And I think you there's so many people that are willing, of course, to take your money, whether it's for demos or for training or for this, that and the other thing. And you could be just spending a, a fortune, um, not really getting what you should be. So do your homework, network, find out from people that are doing it what's worth your money, what's not worth your money. Um and, you know, just build those relationships. Um, never burn a bridge. Work really hard. You, you know, be punctual. Those things, it's such a small, tight-knit community that if you mess up or if you screw someone over, if you do something really bad, you're at, you could be out. You know, it's, yeah. it's really, uh, you really want to take that to heart and uh, always show up giving your best work and, um and yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, I know I, <laughs> Roger and I disagree on this, but I would add and, and train. Mm. So once you have done your research and, um, and you know where to go, invest in certain things that you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, I mean, that was such sort of chock full of fantastic information. I really appreciate you both spending the time with us today talking about this stuff and being so honest. And I also love the fact that you both have, you know, some sometimes your opinions marry up and other times they're divergent, which is very much how the industry plays out. What works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. So uh, that's really refreshing to hear. So thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing is, too, I know we're ending, but it's, it's just, you know, it's there's no right or wrong mm-hmm. per se. You know, yeah. it's yeah. what's worked for me, what's what's worked for Allison, what's worked for you. And, you know, the only thing that we can do is we can we can give you the, the bits and pieces and the advice and the stuff that's worked for us and and how we put it into play. And then, you know, it's for you to take that information and, and do with it what works for you and your style and your personality. Okay, that was a fantastic interview, and I really liked how they both came at it from different angles and have different perspectives on things, and that is actually a strong theme in this podcast. Uh, There is no consistent right or wrong the majority of the time. Sometimes there are absolutely objective right things to do and wrong things to do. You know, you don't want to be screaming at people or turning up late. This just goes to prove that what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for someone else and vice versa. So... Thank you to Alison and Roger for being frank and very entertaining. And that's it. So I'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you to this week's guests, our sponsors, J. Michael Collins, IPDTL and Backstage Magazine. Thanks also to Kyle Marie Colucci and Chris Sharps for social media support. Special thanks to Patreon super member Angus Gunn. Join us next time for another class. Class.